And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious trips. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we have worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic. Questions. So this episode is going to be full of questions that have been brought to us by students, teachers, people in the industry, or questions we just have ourselves from working as choreographers and teachers. Um, And the first one I kind of want to start with is when to seek out help from other dance teachers and when you just need to go ahead and get more training. Yeah. So I feel like this kind of came up because um, Tony and I are part of a couple of like social media groups that's about all dance teachers and him and I stay relatively silent on them. But we're part of them. They're great for connections, for asking questions, all those things. But we have specifically lately, I think more so just because we've kind of had the time to kind of go through the, the different groups and stuff. Um, seeing that there are teachers and studio owners out there who are asking questions about their students' technique or artistry that don't really make you look good. So it kind of presents them in a bad light. And by this I mean they're asking questions about like, I don't understand why my student can't straighten their leg. I don't understand why my student's falling out of their turn, stuff like that. And I don't we, understand why the point shoes aren't fitting correctly. Right, and, we, and like to me, those types of questions are stuff that you should know as a dance teacher or studio owner, or you should have someone in your personal in-person network to go through, go to with those. And it just, it worries me that there are people out there as much as I think that we can all learn from each other. Those are types of questions where I'm like, so you have kids and parents who are paying to go to this studio and you don't know how to help them? Because, yes, and I think that's the thing that confuses me and slightly frustrates me is that again we are dealing with young bodies and if we do something wrong we could stunt or hurt or um delay their development and their bodies so nothing was um there is one particular group uh we're a part of where a young lady showed a um a studio owner showed a young lady in point shoes uh up on railway uh, up on her box and she was like we don't Something's not right about the shoes. And the first thing, like, the first couple of comments were like, why is she wearing such thick socks in point? Like, why is she wearing socks mm-hmm. and point shoes? Oh, well, we just wanted more padding for and protection for her toes. No. And then, like, a slew of, again, I am not a ballerina. I've only trained in point very, very little. I've just seen the bad. I know, I know what not to do more than I can tell you what shoes should be doing. But... A lot of people chimed in and were just like, "She's that's not how you protect your feet. That's not the right thing to do. Well, it's just like there are like, you know, I did do point growing up and various companies make certain types of paddings and gels mm-hmm. and stuff like that that go in the shoes. There are even certain brands of shoes. I know Block specifically does this because I had a couple of pairs of Block Sonatas where they do put a uh, pad in the mm-hmm. shoe in the bottom of the box. And you will, if 
if you are on point or you have a student on point who is complaining over and over and over again, they cannot get used to being up there. It hurts so much. Their feet are bleeding nonstop, something like that. Then what that is, is they're not ready to be on point yet. Their ankles aren't strong enough mm-hmm. to support their weight. Their metatarsal art, their metatarsals, which was a big thing, at least in my studio growing up, we would do like metatarsal tests to see how much you could grip yep. because that was able to show you how strong your toes and that part of your foot was going to be your or sickling arch. sickling is a huge thing yeah. the sickling of the ankle like it's one of those things of like we i constantly remember being tested on just standing in releve like yeah. flat like flat uh not flat footed but like bare feet standing on releve releve passe and holding it and we'd balance on the right we balance on the left and like literally the amount of like wobbling of the hips like it just caught so many problems that there is not literally it was like the girls there was no way they were going to prove them to go on point if they could not stand and hold just standing releve releve oh, passe oh yeah we had to do that we had to do the same thing and the the thing is that like Yes, when you first start point, it may be a little uncomfortable, things like yes. that. But this is also part of the reason why, so A, the student might not be ready, and then B, or it's going to be a combination of A and B, B, are the shoes that the student got, do they fit them appropriately? Are you, and we've yes. talked about this on other episodes, you have to go to someone who knows how to fit point shoes. It cannot be your everyday person who works in a dance store there are usually certain people who work in certain stores mm-hmm. who are recommended and trained into how to fit a point shoe and will tell you what brand of shoe is actually the best for your foot as the dancer and then there are things you like you have to break them in you have to sleep with them on so that they mold to your foot like there's all these mm-hmm. like weird crazy things you can do but after time if you're like nope like the student has to wear socks because they're in so much pain that to me is a combination of a and b she's not ready and those shoes do not fit her yes i mean that's just that's just it um i I think like and also big things like when to reach out for help and when you need to know you need more training when you one i think continual training is always the answer absolutely but in particular when you are need are, are teaching a new style um or come a new style keeps being brought up to you you need to go back and get more training in it like i know for instance with me i took african for an extended period of time and then my uh job started asking me to do african dance they wanted me to stop being the assistant and to start being the primary teacher for african dance for a couple of um, gigs we were receiving and i was like i think i could you know what i'm just gonna go take class with the people that are teaching it like the yeah. people that the other people in my companies who were overbooked and couldn't do anymore. So I started taking class with them to learn like and would go to them being like, you know, I'm going to have to teach this in like two, three months. What am I missing? What am I lacking? What am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Like, let me let me teach a portion of your class mm-hmm. so you can watch and do. And like so that kind of falls under more like an apprenticeship or sometimes you just need to go back to school for training or there are teacher training programs, especially during the summer or downtime. Yeah, I think it's I think that that is really important. I had the same type of thing. So I in college trained extensively in various different forms of African. I do not call myself an African dancer. I do not I do not ever go into somewhere saying that I could teach a class. Um, and then it wasn't until I did a couple of workshops with my job in certain um, I did some workshops in Laba, um, Lamba, La, 
Lumba. Yes, I did some workshops in that. I was like, oh my gosh. And some workshops in Sinte. And after having those workshops, I was like, okay, now I can bring some lessons back to school and teach teach the kids in that. But it wasn't until I had those workshops that I felt comfortable. And I was able to like take certain exercises and mm-hmm. take certain dances and all of that. And then the same thing happened years ago. I grew up taking tap. I was never... I was okay at it. I was good. I was good at it growing up. I was never great. It wasn't until I got older um, that I actually really enjoyed tap and got better at it. But I was told, hey, you're going to do this summer program. I was working a summer program. We're going to need you to teach tap. And I hadn't taken tap or tap dance or taught. I mm-hmm. taught tap ever. And I hadn't tapped since, uh, since senior year of high school when I was 18 and so I immediately like went to some classes asked some friends who were tappers like hey can we rent a studio can you just like go over stuff with me I went online I googled made sure my terminology was correct and so I think that back to the point of like when it when do you ask for help and stuff like that I think especially if you're going to be teaching something new or something that you haven't done in a while Mm -hmm. I think absolutely Get online, ask questions, ask for help, ask friends to watch you, ask a teacher, hey, can I teach you an exercise in your class? Can you observe me like Tony was saying? But then there are things that you should just know. And yes, like that's the thing that uh, we often find quite troubling on these groups that we're a part of is that people will post very basic questions that a dance teacher or at the very least a studio owner should know. And I do believe that as a studio owner, you kind of have to be a master of none and know a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're a studio that's going to be modern jazz, hip hop, tap, music, theater, lyrical. Like yeah, if you're going to be that variety, you, you as a studio know. owner needs to have enough variety or have enough knowledge to know when you need to outsource this or, and bring someone in knowledgeable in the areas that you lack. Yeah. It is not uncommon for studio owners to be like, I am ballerina and modern all day. Bring in a hip-hop teacher that is knowledgeable or a jazz teacher or African or whatever other I, subject that is knowledgeable. Back to kind of what Tony and I were just saying before, but we were like, oh, we were asked to teach a class in something that we hadn't done in a while. So we ourselves all the time. went out and I was like, oh my God, okay, what am I going to do? You know, we're like, hey, Danielle, we want you to teach African for, you know... The, the X amount of weeks during the school year. Okay, but like, what? But mm-hmm. we we go out and we ask those professionals. I Because we don't know everything we need to. I find it so interesting when I come across studio owners that go, Oh no, I've been trained in everything. I can teach everything. I have also been trained in many, many, many styles. I do not feel comfortable teaching all those styles that I oh, have yeah. been trained in. Let alone at proficient levels. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Beginner. A lot of stuff I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do beginner. I That's can get cool. you your fundies and a good, good, a good amount like, of stuff. That is that is, that is is Gucci. But, uh, but you want me to do intermediate or advanced? And I'm like, I don't feel I will never teach inter- I will never teach intermediate to advanced tap. I just have not had enough yeah. training. And it, to, to be comfortable... To teach an advanced level of but, tap. I mean, I'm talking beyond like time steps and stuff. But right. like, I don't, I just, I would not trust myself to not mess up a child's body. We've talked <laughs> about this before. Like, I think that there's something really courageous and admirable in that. And you as a dance teacher and choreographer and dancer should know your strengths. So that's why I, I say, I think it's very interesting when you do come across these 
studio owners that are like no 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 like i teach i teach all the styles we have hip-hop we have african we have modern we have ballet we have jazz we have musical theater we have contemporary we have you know modern and i can teach them all at an advanced level i i i, I just i'm I sorry but i question that yeah that's what it is um so our another big question that comes along is when to let a client or when to let a student go mm. and we again we see this one all the time on the networks and it's always like crazy child it's like i won't let's start with the simpler one or some say the harder one child is great child is magnificent mom is crazy mm. emailing at all times you know constantly being disruptive a constant problem for mm-hmm. you and your program be it studio or school and when do you walk away do you let go because the child is like the child is not a problem but mom is a problem I am of the mindset, yes. A lot of people disagree with me on this because a lot of them go, should you punish the child for yeah. the parent? And while innately I would say no, but if you know that that parent is going to constantly be involved or insert themselves in situation, needs of the many versus the needs of the few. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that 100%. I, uh, I also have always felt that way. I do choreograph for... Um, for a group where this has actually come up before, where we've had um, performers in the group where the parents are just have become too much. Just nightmares. <laughs> and um, I have worked with coworkers and my directors who have been like, no, no, we can't punish the child. You can't punish the child. But it finally has gotten mm-hmm. to the point with with some some of the performers in the past where finally the directors had to go, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, whoever is the guardian. You know what they? They're, they need to take this semester off because X, Y, and Z. And it is your doing. Because as much as don't punish the child for the adult, and I have seen this time and time again personally, that child eventually is going to I, think that yep. whatever mom says yep. or dad says is true about them. So while they're younger and it's not fair to them and they don't know any better, they can't control it, it's all mom and dad, as they start to live in that bubble of mom and dad being like, you're the best, this is what you're so great at, you you're constantly X, right, Z. you're always right, these people are wrong, they're trying to sabotage you, that, unfortunately, again, not really the kid's fault, but you grew up hearing that, you you're start absolutely going to think that, oh, absolutely yeah. going to think that, and then not only does the parent become, it stays a nightmare, but the child becomes a nightmare, and that hurts, like Tony was saying, that hurts the many. Because it that starts poisoning the, the entire group. And it's going to poison the group and it's going to impo- it's going to po- poison your studio environment and it's going to become a problem. And so I do agree that unfortunately there comes a time where you have to go like, you know what, this relationship is not working. And I can, I had a scenario where a young lady was, she did not receive a solo that she wanted, but she received a featured part and she was over the moon about the featured part because mm-hmm. it was, the featured part had turns in it and she'd really been working her, that was the thing, her jumps were still not very good, but her turns had mm-hmm. drastically improved over the summer. So the featured part was the turning section that she was in, it was like her and one other girl. So she was super excited about that. She, the poisonous apple out of the group, got a hold to our girl that got the featured part mm-hmm. and started talking mess to her, being like, but you deserve to be the featured, the soloist for this. Why are you not soloist for this? And so one of my featured girl came to me with all kinds of just negative stuff. And I was like, of course, hearing her out. And the more she kept talking, I was like, this doesn't sound like her. 
This, like, the literal yeah. word she was using, to, I was like, you don't talk that way. Who has been in your ear? And I finally just asked her, being like, were these, did, did you feel this way or did you feel this way after talking to the poisonous apple? Yeah. And she was like, well, it was kind of her. She's like, I felt that way a little bit, but you, you explained to me that my jumpsters weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So this, that's when I was like, yeah, no, you got to go. Like, I kicked her out mid-season. Just um, because I could not, that... Again, it's poison. It's fruit from the poisonous tree. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't... I wish and want the best for all students. And I get having parents that don't understand or are very delusional. But it the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, it doesn't, unfortunately. And there will... Also, unfortunately, there will be somewhere out there for them to go where they, will, they can be the bright, Ooh, shining star. Yes. So let them... Unfortunately, like, as much as we're always here to help each other, like, let that studio or that company handle and deal with that so that yours doesn't go under. Well, and this also brings up another question of, do you let the other studio know when, Mm -hmm. or other program, know when things are going crazy with a certain parent? Because uh, something I saw was wonderful, and one of the groups that I follow, is that a parent was... um, looking to take sample classes at another studio Mm -hmm. and the studio, let's say studio a. And so studio a was like, well, we know that you've been a part of miss Lisa's studio for years. We're not sure what's going on there, Mm -hmm. but you know, like we're happy to have her come in and take a class. So unbeknownst to the parents, studio a reached out to miss Lisa's studio and said, Hey, they're taking classes over here. We just want to make sure, you know, that, you, that it was ended amicable. Or if it wasn't, do you mind giving us a heads up? Yeah. And Miss Lisa Studios go, we don't really have a problem with them other than they still owe us money. Mm. And Studio A goes, oh, really? And they proceeded to contact the parents and go, we're more than welcome to have your child come in and take a demo sample class with us, but you have to clear your balance with the other studios before you can come to us. Good for them. And I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Um, one, just because like, at the, we're all businesses here. Like, do not, these are people's livelihood. Don't pay your money. But I also go, if let's say the situation wasn't money and the situation was behavior. Do you think it's overreaching for a studio to explain, like, we're, we kicked them out because we constantly have problems with mom or we constantly have problems with the child? No, I think unless that you unless you sign some type of, like, non, a non-disclosure, like, non-disclosure. like mm. unless you sign something like that, which I, listen, I wouldn't. Put it a pat. Put it and past some also competition true. studios. Also true. <laughs> but unless you sign something like that, um, I wouldn't feel bad about it because if it is that bad, you know, unfortunately, again, it isn't fair to the student who wants to dance. But sometimes, and I've 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 dealt with this firsthand before. I've said this before. Sometimes, mom and dad, family, whoever is you know that driving force behind the issue, they need to learn their lesson. And the kid's not gonna understand. And mom and dad whoever it is, are not going to understand until the child is crying and upset. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes true. it gets to that point, unfortunately, because it's really it's really not okay to deal with that type of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So our next question, and we've kind of touched on this before, but I'm sure we'll elaborate on it as we will hear in probably in other episodes too. How do you find the right brand for you? When it comes to leotards, dance belts, tights, shoes, mm. things like that. Um, I know for me, 
I, I'm a Capizio head all day. I'm a big, huge fan of Capizio just about everything. Um, and that just came from, honestly, going to a store. And I didn't go to the Capizio store at first. I just went to an old mom and pop store. And I was getting fitted for Josh shoes. So, like, not something super complicated. And they literally, they just knew. They, like, looked at my feet. They asked me to kind of, like, dance around and move my feet around a little bit. And they're, like, based on the arches of your feet, you should probably try some Capizios. Yeah. It has been the right shoe for me ever since. Um, I agree. I have the same experience. Um, the first dance studio so, I was, Talk about leotards as well, because I haven't had to wear them. Yeah. Any, the first but. dance studio I was at, um, they just kind of were like, oh, you'll order your shoes online. They did work with Capizio, and some of their shoes worked for me, and some of them didn't. And then with leotards and stuff, like, I think they mentioned, like, a store or two. Like, I honestly can't remember when I was really little, like, how I got them. Mm-hmm. But I switched studios when I was in fifth grade, and it was the same type of thing. And I think I think the, a big reason why they worked with this dance store was due to the point shoe thing. Mm-hmm. But they um, primarily only worked with one store, and you would go there. That's where they would send you 100% of the time for point shoe fittings. Oh, yeah. Um, but they were also great at non-point shoes. So same thing. They were great yeah, at regular they shoes. they just know so you. Same thing. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, what do you wear before? What are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. You know, ballet shoes. Do you like the leather better? Do you like the canvas better? Let's see both. And then, yeah, they would do things. Go up to the... They have, like, a mini, mini bar. bar. yep. Yep, they're like, go up to the bar, do some releves, do some jumps. And they would see me, and they'd be like, this shoe looks really good for you due to your arch, due to your shoe, shoe size, due to, um, you know, you're not slipping out, like, anything like that type of situation. So they were really good about that. Um, and they... Also, in terms of clothing, they, you know, they had tights and leotards and dance mm-hmm. belts and skirts and all the things at that store. And they, you know, for that stuff, are more like, yeah, whatever, like pick whatever you like. Um, but they were also good at helping you be like this, you know, this is age appropriate for you, body yeah. appropriate for you. Age and body appropriate um, matter. They also knew, they they primarily didn't do like walk-ins. They primarily only, like you could walk in to like get your stuff, but by walk-ins, I mean they... They had, had to have known you. The place yes. I went, it was like, you could be a walk-in, but it would be like, oh, we know you, you're at Blah 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 yes, Studio. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah, you bought they this pretty much, They pretty much only worked with studio so you would come in and i would be like hi like i'm danielle or mom would be like this is danielle she goes to coupe and they'd be like great got it done sometimes they'd ask like who's your teacher blah 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 but they they really didn't do like like i specific and i've talked about this on an episode before we talked about point shoes i remember one time being in there getting fitted and a mom walked in with her daughter and she was very young too young to be on point and the owner was like, well, what studio does she go to? And mom said something and he was like, you know, unfortunately we don't work with that studio. So I unfortunately like can't serve you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were in a position where business wise, financially, they worked with enough studios, had enough clients that they could do that. And I think to, to me, it's a conscience thing because I've literally had this conversation like just the other day I was teaching a workshop and a girl asked me about, um, she's like her little, she herself had never taken point, but she's like her little sister wants to take point. And then when she said little sister, said, well, how old is she? And she was like, she's 10. I said two to three more years minimum. Yeah. I said, just cause the way your, the way your spine is developing, it's yeah. not ready to balance. Like right. ballet, ballet is not natural to the body at all. First no. of all, and but so- the body is not ready to balance like that. 
the spine can't take that kind of pressure at 10 years old. No, and that's why I think, like, that's why I also loved going to that store because they clearly knew what they were talking mm-hmm. about. But due to their relationships with the different studios, depending who the studio was, you know, certain studios were like, okay, we only allow these two colors in leotards or, like, every single year... Yeah is depending on what level you're in, you wear a different color leotard. Yep. Had and that they one before knew, too. um they knew all of that. So I could be like, oh, I go to back like back in the day, I think they've changed their quote unquote rules now. But back in the day when I was young and going to coupe, until you got to tenth or eleventh grade, I really think eleventh grade, you had to either wear a black or a red leotard. Those are your two options. Black or mm-hmm. red. And then when you got to like eleventh grade it kinda was like, all right, like you're about to be a senior, you can wear whatever color leotard you want. And senior year you could as well. Um yeah, but I still just remember them being like No, like literally yeah. every now and then it would be like in and this was like even in college, like once a week in ballet class, maybe, or, like, you could get away with, like, all my leotards are dirty, all my, t- you know, my yeah. specific pink or blacks are dirty, and we could get away with a little bit more, but, like, they're generally, just, they just didn't give us yeah. much wiggle room. Ours were, ours were red Jazz, we had some wiggle room. Yeah, ours were red and, red and black in ballet growing up, and you could go to the store and be like, yeah, well, I'm going in, I could be like, oh, I'm going into seventh grade I go to coupe and they'd be like great so you need a red or black leotard here are our popular ones that a lot of girls yep. your age wear here are some other ones you know mom it's up to you and her what do you guys like but I think like if you go to a studio that has a relationship like that with a store I think that that is just like the best the best thing you could get is that kind of package oh yeah and it's also one of those things of where I will say of like Learning yourself and learning, like, there is no brand that's better than another, typically. I've also, like, I've changed shoe brands. I mean, like, tights and leotards, I'm like, whatever fits, whatever looks good. But, like, shoes, and not just point, I mean, point shoes, I've I've changed multiple brands until I finally found the one that Mm -hmm. worked best for me, and... That's very typical. Your foot's still growing when oh, yeah. you're when you're a kid and a teenager. Your you know your foot develops, so you finally anyway. But even just regular shoes, like I've tried different brands, and I've been like, hey, I actually really like these, mm-hmm. or like mm, I'm gonna go back to these, or I want to try this brand instead. And I just I just know that in studios they get very caught up, and we all use the exact same this, and that is fine. But I just, I strong, I, I've just heard the block versus Sasha wore in shoes constantly. And I'm just like, it, that's not a real thing. Your body is going to fit and feel differently. Yeah. Like anything else like in life. Like my foot for regular ballet, like shoes and tap shoes, 100% block. Usually even jazz shoes too. I would go block. Block fits my foot Blocks so weird. Just fits my foot really well. But mm-hmm. then their point shoes, I did block from maybe like three or four pairs and they were fine but point shoe wise like nope grish goes where my point shoes like that's the brand that at the end of the day like fit me the best so yeah i just that's always one where i'm like don't start a bidding war over something that's not even a real thing no but i think that that's like a really good question is like how do you know and how do you decide and i think that that's like something really really good to think about so our next question is how do you know when to leave and that comes from as both a dance teacher and as a dancer. Um, so, 
I, I've obviously, I literally just said this before <laughs> and I've said this before. I did change studios. Um, I think a lot of it was my parents. I think that they, they kind of got to the point where they were like this environment, honestly. It, it started to become a negative environment. Poisonous apples. <laughs> this environment is no longer working. And I had had some experience at another studio doing some, doing a couple of production productions with a Nutcracker for them. I had, you know, friends I was friends with at school, girls I was friends with at school who went to this other studio, who went to Coupe, and that's kind of how it, I got shifted there. Um, But I think that's the biggest thing. And, like, as a dancer, like, I don't want to go to class and feel ostracized or bullied Mm -hmm. or, like, oh, we're better than you, we can't hang out with you, like... I, once Mm -hmm. I change, I will say that once, like, yeah, of course, you know, as you become a teenager, like, shit's going to happen and there's going to be quarrels and stuff like that. But in general, as a whole, when I, once I moved to Coupe, like, it was such an amazing positive experience. Like, I pretty much talked to everyone in my classes. There were no issues. You know, some people I was, like, friends, like, really friends with and some were just, like, my classmates. Mm -hmm. But that was fine. Like, there was never any, like, bad talking. Like, I do specifically remember there was no bad talking amongst, like, who was in my levels and stuff. But I think, like, as a dancer, as a parent, like, once you start to really feel that negativity or also something that I think my mom noticed is, like, the studio owner was, like, I don't like you anymore, so I'm not going to put you in the higher classes that you deserve, or I don't. And, like, that's not okay. Any of that, to me, it's like, I'm walking. But for for me, it was always, am I growing, or am I hitting a wall? Like, Mm -hmm. so I didn't really get caught in a lot of the animosity that can happen at studios from time to time. It was just one of those things of, like, I'm not learning anything new. Or, and it's not just learning new moves specifically, or, like, the moves I already know are not improving. I, like, I'm literally hitting a wall. I'm doing the exact same thing. Nothing's getting any better. Well, why am I taking this class? Um, and that, that to me, is when I start getting antsy and being like, well, maybe I should leave. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's about, again, I there is something to be said for comfortability. And don't get me wrong. I loved going back to the place that I left. And taking class with them just for fun. Like, coming in at the back of their class and, like, being silly and goofy with a bunch of friends. And, like, the teacher loving us coming back and all that stuff. Like, that's great. Yeah. But it's just also one of those things of, I don't, like, when it's time to move on, I think you know. I think you you can fight it if you're that type of person. But I think, generally, most people know, dance-wise, when it's time to move on. So, yeah. And, like, so, like, you're saying, like, as a as a... As a student and as a teacher, right? And so I actually... Well, as a teacher, it's... Yeah, I, um... So, surprise! I'm starting a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as we kind of close out this summer, I'll actually kind of announce anything exciting coming up. Yeah. But, um, I'm starting a new job, and it was something that I thought about... I kind of put myself on a three-year plan. All right, I'm going to teach at this school, because we all know I worked at a school. I'm going to teach at this school for three years, and then I'm going to evaluate what's going on in my life professionally, Mm -hmm. personally. Do I want to move? Am I getting married? Am I having kids? Like, all all of those things that happen as you get older. And I started this 
this past year being like, no, like I think, I think I'm going to stay at least another year, see that first class graduate, all these things. And for me, what kind of really hit, you know, I, I toyed with the idea, but what really hit the, the nail in the coffin, like Tony was just saying before about how he is as a student, I wasn't growing. So there were no new opportunities within my path as a dance educator to continue with that. It was very like, all right, like you're a dance teacher. You come to work every day. You teach your classes. There's two to three shows a year. That's kind of that. And I also feel like, unfortunately, all of this professional development that I had the privilege of receiving in the past years was starting to be also taken away from me. Mm. So I wasn't getting as much professional development. And I and that meant that I wasn't growing. Yes. And I think that, you know, it's easier almost, I think, in a school setting to see a, a career growth path um, because there's like so much more you can go in. You can oh, come, yeah. become a director of a program. You can do curriculum. Like there's all that stuff. But I even think at a studio, you know, are you are you getting brand new students you're excited to teach? Are you being able to teach new teach new levels choreograph yeah new are, is your master level work. staying the same right. are they getting harder each year or you know right. like are you being challenged by the students and the and the things around you you know are you able to create new works and if it's very like nope you come in every day this is the class you teach this is what we want for our recital that is that you no know, ifs and our buts like that is no room to grow and everyone's gonna be different but for me i knew it was time to move on and look for a new job when there was no more growth opportunity and I want to keep growing it as a dance education and a dance educator. And I want to do more stuff for that field. And if I can't have that opportunity somewhere, then I'll find it somewhere else. And I, for me, it's the creativity when I'm feeling very uninspired and core and don't get me wrong. I, you guys know I'm I'm freelancing it. So like there are times where I'm literally choreographing six, seven shows at one time. So like I, if I'm not inspired, it doesn't work. Like, there's just yeah. no time for uninspired. And the, and that, to me, is when you have to walk away. And I recently, I had a school this past year where everything within me was like, this isn't right. But I had no concrete evidence other than my gut. Mm-hmm. And all the red flags were for other people. They were none in my path. And then we kind of had this giant situation go down where my program got canceled with little communication from any parties involved. And I was just kind of like, I was very upset at the time, but I, a part of me was also like, I didn't trust my own instincts because my instincts told me to be out. Like, two, class number two, I knew that it wasn't going to work. But I stuck it out for, again, I just lied to myself and gave myself all these different reasons when I was like, I knew this wasn't going to work. Like, like now with... With hindsight and more time and space from it, I was like, yeah, that was a terrible idea. But that happens all the time. But I do think there's something to, like, be said about that is, yeah. I mean, I also have been part of productions and, and teaching environments. I also, I remember I used to teach for this company for, like, like preschool age kids. And, um, and I just was always, like, I hated going to the staff meetings. I didn't feel good about it. Um, it wasn't something I was interested in. And I just kind of stuck it out because I was like, all right, well, it's a teaching gig on my Mm -hmm. resume and it's money. But I think listening to yourself, just as you would if you were a dancer in a class and you're getting red flags, I think if you were a teacher or an artist in a class or a production that you're like choreographing or working on, then maybe it's time to get out. 
It's true because you kind of have to, again, it's one of those things, this industry is a very, very hard, be a teacher, owner, performer. It's a very difficult business. And I think you have to listen to yourself um, and listen to those that you trust about it as well before you make decisions. But I think it's one of those things, the worst, I very luckily, I had a moment when I was in my early 20s where I overstated a place that I shouldn't have working for a company, um, performing and choreographing, and I got sick. Like, my health took a total dive. Like, I'm talking hospitalized. Um, Some of it was probably internalized anxiety, but a lot of it was just pure, probably, depression. Like, no one clinically, no one, no doctor said it, but I, I know that that feeling felt so alien to my body that it just it just forced me to be sick Mm -hmm. um and my health was just not recovering until it came time for that contract to end and i decided to not renew the contract Mm -hmm. that's when my health started to improve and i was like oh this is probably something very psychological and deeper and i've had one more other moment where as a company here in the city where i was starting to feel that way where i was like dreading going to work and that's one of those things of like everybody has those days where they don't want to go to work every single day week after or dread when you are literally like the when you start going these are things that i could be doing instead of going to this place and they were dance like i could be like i could go teach dance here instead of teaching dance there that's when i was like wait a second you're literally choosing something over this why are you going um that self-evaluation goes a really long way as an artist and building your own voice and trusting your own yeah. voice when to take gigs and when not to take gigs. Um, and that's hard because, I mean, everybody needs money. So, But it's one of those things of, like, I am luckily I'm in, in the spot where my soul matters more to me than money. Yeah. And I would much rather struggle than take a gig that's going to leave me absolutely miserable. Oh, 100%. You know. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, this week, uh, I want to move along to some shout-outs. So I want to give a shout out to um, the cast of Camp Morningwood. Uh, this is the uh, show that I choreographed at the beginning of this month. Oh my God, where did the month? No, it's July. At the beginning of June. Yeah. Dear Lord, where's I mean, the time like, gone? It's like July second. Uh, but they are in their closing week, their final week of performances. Final, yeah, final week of performances. And I want to give those guys a big, huge shout out. They've basically been sold out the last two, three weeks. I think there might be some tickets for this week, but that's really cool. I'm really proud of those guys and the hard work that they've done. Um, And I want to give another shout out to the cast of Strange Loop, uh, also at Playwrights Horizon here in New York City. They are running through the end of July. So, and it's a wonderful new musical. Um... And we'll yeah. um we'll post like some links on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. Some little some photos and some links so you guys can kind of check out anything that we mm-hmm. recommend if you should feel so inclined. Or be in the city. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't <laughs> really have a shout out right now because um, we're to be yeah. fair we're in the midst of summer vacation yeah and so. it's been a lot of um so i think last week i actually posted on our instagram some questions um tony and i are ready you know now it's july so we've kind of had a little bit of time to take a deep breath mm-hmm. and just sit for a minute and um we're ready to get back into classes throughout july and august and yes. continuing on in the fall um and we know who we love we know the styles that we love, but 
we're very interested to hear what you guys recommend here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, please, please feel free to send us an email or an Instagram DM or Facebook message or whatever it is and give us some of your favorites or some people you recommend because we would love to um, we would love to go to a bunch of classes and then get to come back and review them. Oh, yeah. And just do like a big review with like everyone. Um, so please do that. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you'll join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of the NYC Dance Club.